1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
0: Two people were in a car, they were driving at night, and they they had to stop on the highway because an owl plopped straight down, landed on the highway in front of them, was kind of flopping around like it was disoriented. And then as they're parked there, looking at this owl, they look up and they have a close up sighting of a hovering UFO, a hovering flying saucer.
2: Did you know you can now stream episodes of this podcast on your mobile device? All you need is my new Conspiracy Unlimited app. It's absolutely free, and it's available for both iOS and Android devices. If you're a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member, pay attention. You can now stream premium content from your mobile device. My free Conspiracy Unlimited app for iOS and Android. Available from the App Store and Google Play. Get yours today and start streaming Conspiracy Unlimited on your mobile device.
1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites.
2: The owl. I love owls. I've always loved owls. It's a bird of prey, but of all the birds of prey, it's absolutely my favorite. And it's just, uh, there's something very mystical about it. And of course, it's held a place of reverence and mystique throughout history. And as strange as this might seem, owls are also showing up in connection with the UFO experience. Uh, Mike Cleland has collected a wealth of first-hand accounts in which owls manifest in the highly charged moments that surround alien contact or UFO sightings. There is a strangeness to these accounts that defies simple explanation, and this book explores implications, really, that go far beyond what more conservative researchers would dare consider. But the, uh, the owl connection... Encompasses more than the UFO experience, it also includes profound synchronicities, ancient archetypes, dreams, shamanistic experiences, personal transformation, and death, of course. From the mythic legends of our ancient past to the first-hand accounts of the UFO abductee, owls are playing some vital role. This is also a deeply personal story we're going to hear. It's an odyssey of self-discovery as Mike grapples with his own owl and UFO encounters. And what plays out, however, is a story of transformation with the owl... At the heart of this journey, Mike Cleland is an avid outdoorsman, illustrator, UFO researcher. He's written extensively on the subject of alien abductions, synchronicities, and owls. It was his first-hand experience with these elusive events that have been the foundation for this research. His website, Hidden Experience, explores these events and their connections to the alien contact phenomenon. He's also the author of The Messengers, Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee, and Stories from the Messengers, Owls, UFOs, and a Deeper Reality, currently resides in the Adirondacks. Mike, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. So, how did your life, I mean, you you had these experiences, and you, um, you know, you were kind of... Researching it, but not spending a lot of time on it. But then all of a sudden, it just simply like took over your life completely. I mean,
0: well, once I started writing the book, it it took over my life completely. Yeah, I had uh, I had a handful of events in my life, a handful of experiences that that happened. Most of them happened when I was much younger, and I was. reading a lot about UFOs. I took it seriously. I had seen some things in my youth that, you know, that made me say, well, you know, if I've seen this, then I have to take these stories seriously. So reading UFO books became a sort of, um, you know, that was what I was doing in my 40s. So turn the back, I'm 55 now. So turn the clock back about 11 years. I was 44 and I was uh, living out west near Grand Teton National Park and I went camping with a friend. It was actually a person I really didn't know that well. And um, were just for one night, and this was at a point in my life when these events, these memories—I had missing time events, I had UFO sightings, I had—and um, in my thirties, I actually had a memory of sitting up in bed and looking out my window and seeing five skinny gray aliens, you know, walking towards the house, and they were backlit by this bright, bright light. Um, I just, in my mind, I just felt like. There was a voice that said, now is time to put your head on the pillow and shut down. And that's exactly what I did. I, I, I didn't trust that memory and I didn't even bother the next day to even look in the yard to see if there was any kind of footprints or anything. So, um, so that was the foundation. So that was sort of, that was sort of boiling there. So, you know, you have the tea kettle on and then just before it starts to whistle, you can kind of sense, you know, it's getting ready to whistle. And that's, that was kind of my life at that point. I recognized. But there was going to be a day I was going to have to look into this stuff. But I did not want to go there. I was ignoring it. I was denying it. I was believing other people's stories. I did not believe my own story. Um,
2: but that all changed in 2006, I guess.
0: That-, that all changed in 2006. I was camping, and there was, uh, I was having a lovely conversation as the sun was setting. And uh, an owl flew over our head. And then another owl. And then another owl. And there were three owls, and they... they flew above us and they landed on branches near us and it continued until the sun went totally down and we set our sleeping bags it was a lovely perfect night in the mountains we just set our sleeping bags out under the stars and just left that way and so looking straight up at the stars the, the stars would be blotted out for just a half a second as these owls would pass right above our faces close and they were very quiet owls fly very silently yes and in that moment and, I, and it, so then I, what happened was it happened it happened once it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We went camping, the same friend, her name is Kristen. We went camping four days later, and the exact same thing happens. except this time the owls were even closer. They were on, landing on the branches right next to us. They were landing on the ground right next to us. I'm convinced they were the same owls. It was a completely different part of the mountains, but I'm convinced it was the same three owls. At the time, I didn't talk about it then, I'm talking about it now, I heard this voice in my head that said, this has something to do with the UFOs. And that is how I started. I got all crazy about owls and started researching owls, and that bled over to the UFO research. And I was researching myself, basically. I wanted answers for my, for my selfish reasons. And every person I talked to, whether that was a researcher or a... Um, an experiencer. someone's had the direct contact experience i would ask the question have you had any odd experiences with owls and it's certainly not a hundred percent of the people but it's it's very real pattern
2: now had they and had you know, they I, ever been asked that before
0: some um, mostly not you know um you know what happens you talk to a researcher and they'll say I've, you know i spoke with bud hopkins at length about this and i spoke with other folks that you know uh and they'll say you know of course oh yes we get we get we get owl reports and then they'll tell of the, the screen memory of the four foot tall owl that appears on a lonely road at night now there's no such thing as a four foot tall owl they simply aren't that big right and under hypnosis the, the hypnotherapist would say you know describe this owl and the, the person this is a kind of apocryphal how i'm describing this because this is any number of cases play out like this um the person would say well it's the owl has a bald head. It's got a little tight-fitting uniform on. It's skinny. It's got big black eyes, and I don't think that's an owl. And then they they would um, they would be describing most probably most commonly the gray alien that we right. all recognize.
2: But you're not talking about a screen memory because I mean a screen memory could be anything. Uh, it could be a, I think you pointed out it could be a deer, it could be um, a small child. Uh, yeah. I'll,
0: Dead relatives, sure.
2: Sure. So this... Yes. But
0: Yeah, uh, so I became... I address... In the book, I address the screen memories. And I kind of do it early, and I kind of want to move on. So I address it. There's some marvelous, remarkable stories involving screen memories. But that's not what fascinated me. What fascinated me was that real owls seemed to be showing up. Now, these, these owls that I saw in the mountains, those were real owls. I'm, I mean, I was right up close to them. They were owl size. They were about twelve inches tall. They were doing little owl things, and and uh, so I feel strongly that those were real owls.
2: Can I ask and you one more thing about that? Me. Can I ask you one That's more true. thing about that that camping experience? And then it happened again, as you say, about four days later in Idaho. Uh, now I, I do love owls, but this I don't know about them. Do owl, aren't they more solitary? I mean, they don't tend to like, they're not, they don't, they're not, they don't hang out in flocks. I mean, they have three they, or four they owls. They can,
0: yeah. Oh, they, they can, They can. Okay. can hang out in flocks. Okay. But, but it's, they're mostly solitary.
2: Yeah, that was my um,
0: understanding. It's my understanding that a family of owls, like that are, that are, um, uh, have been all raised in the nest together, will sometimes be seen together. And so, yes, so it is not, it's uncommon, but it's not unheard of. Okay. So what I'm describing is not impossible, but for me, it came at a highly charged moment. And um, now here's the weird thing. So I remember I said we were having a lovely conversation. I couldn't remember what we were talking about this woman, Kristen and I. And And it was years later, I got a hold of her. After I had like written up about these things, I got a hold of her and said, what were we talking about that night the first owl showed up? And she said, oh, "I remember exactly what we were talking about. I was giving my most heartfelt definition of what God meant to me, and I was kind of bowled over because that took this already powerful story, and it and it made it sort of transcendent in its power. Um, you know, so there you're mixing another whole element into this into the soup in a way. Um, so that really, um, you know, that that kind of uh, drama, kind of." Painted a lot of these experiences
2: right and then after that those two experiences in 2006 your uh encounters with owls and the, the accompanying synchronicities really ramped up i mean to a, almost a ridiculous level right
0: it was often yeah it was it, i actually sort of and i'm not saying this lightly i i, I worried for my sanity it was irrational how many owls I was seeing at extremely highly charged moments. I would be thinking something um, uh, and, and the owls would show up. I would be having a conversation with someone at a highly charged moment and owls would show up. And, and I was quite, like I was dismissing the ones I was seeing off on the side of the road. Like if it, did, if it didn't mean anything, I was kind of like, okay, those don't count. Um, but there were some powerful events and, and the synchronicities, all of the synchronicities I was having between about 2006 and 2011, 12, which it 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 dialed down a little bit. I felt like I got the point, and I, and, and uh, um, all had something to do with UFOs. I was synchronicities involved with UFO researchers, right. other people. I would get a hold of them, and then they would. I would find out that they you know were UFO experiencers. It was it was it was a um, a very stressful point in my
2: life but I just want that to sort of sink in with people Uh, like I said I love owls but I could count on one hand the number of encounters I've had with an owl where I've actually seen an owl in the wild now I've heard owls occasionally but I mean you were having I mean constant encounters I mean that's just that's
0: three at a time two at a time five at a time uh, you know parked up my window uh, I actually, at a certain point, I said, you know, like, I am not going to pay attention to owls unless they cross my path. And, and a day later, I, and I actually went and declared that out loud. I walked alone into the woods and declared that out loud. And it was a couple days later, excuse me, a couple days later, I was riding my bike down this main street of this little town I lived in, and an owl, I watched it leap off a tree branch and fly right in front of my path, crossed my path exactly, as I said, demanding my attention exactly at eye level. And then just kind of floated up and alighted onto the tree across on the other side of the street.
2: So, how did these uh, stories start to um, come to you? Uh, I mean, I know you were blogging about it starting in around 2009, but how did you how were you collecting these stories enough to fill you know a volume?
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I just you know, I honestly right now I'm getting nearly one a day. I'm getting one good owl story a day, and that has been going on. It's around um, 2010, 2009. Most of those arrive through email, and then I'll make a follow-up. I'll often talk to people on the phone or do a long back and forth, uh, you know, with emails. Um, but uh, most of them have been arriving through emails. And then when I was going to UFO conferences, too, I would ask people and just talk to people, and people would take me aside and say, oh, I have an owl story for you. And I heard the most amazing stories, just remarkable and so, what is
2: it? Typically, they they see it, an owl, then they see a, uh, a craft. They hear an owl, they see a craft. How does it?
0: Is there a kind any of a... any number of variation of that? Any variation at all of that? So, so um, that the but here, this is almost one of the first ones I got. It was a fellow a fellow named Derek. I've met him, and we sat together and and, and drank coffee, and he explained this. He, um, uh, in his twenties, he was out camping in the desert, and his him and his friend, and they were they looked up and they saw. An owl on a cactus staring down at them. It was like they had a little campfire and it was actually lit up by the light of the campfire. So it was incredibly eerie. Both of them felt this, you know, heavy sensation to it. It flew off moments later. A triangle shaped craft looped absolutely silently above them. And, and he really worked to, to try to describe how eerie the flight pattern of that craft was. That it hugged the terrain in this very unnatural way. He later went on to describe a handful of other things that that certainly played out in my mind, you know, like the kind of things that a UFO abductee would, would share—dreams, memories, uh, events in bed, um, feeling like he was being floated through the wall. He described it as quite dream-like, so I, you know, I, I can't I can't say what truly happened, but what I can, and he also said something. This is another thing that shows up in the book. He said, you know, this. This whole thing and starting with UFOs and these experiences kind of put him on a spiritual path that eventually led to what he calls it straight up. He says it's straight up a spiritual awakening. And that's something, too, that shows up in this, that, that I wasn't prepared for when I started the research, how often that will come up. Well, uh, so that's a very typical straight story. Right. Stories get progressively stranger on some level as, as this goes on, you know, as I collect more and more and more.
2: Well, you've talked about how there is a strangeness and a depth to these accounts that, I think your words were, it demonstrates that our ideas of what UFOs and ETs are all about are simply far too simplistic. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, I'll just go tell one little story here. This has, from a fellow named Ben, I love this story. It's there, it doesn't have, there's no UFO in it, though Ben has had experiences that play out like the kind of things an abductee would have. He's very aware of it. He's had missing time. He's had, and he is extremely cautious to put a label on himself, but he's very, also very aware that it's somehow connected to this UFO thing, and and he goes right up to the line, but doesn't quite cross it of calling himself an abductee. So he um, was with his kids, and I was in, in uh, they were at a roller skating party, a birthday party, and they were all little, and they were in the van. And he was driving everyone home, and and uh, the car full of kids, and they're like, Dad, Dad, come on, tell a story. So he says, Okay, I'll. And he thought, you know, I'm going to tell the UFO stories. Or these these kind of, most of them were about synchronicities and missing time. So he told a few stories, and he kind of played them up as campfire stories. And as he finished the final story, which was about missing time, driving at night, an owl flew right in front of this car. And it was punctuated perfectly. He said, I finished telling my last story, whoosh, an owl flies right in front of the car. And it was, he, he said, oh, what? he almost said it was cliche. this that's almost corny. Hmm. And later, he has a second story, he was um, hiking with his kids all day on a trail, and during the day, not all day, but during the day, and an owl would land on a branch and follow them. They'd walk along, and he'd walk along, and the, the kids loved it. And, and his owl would jump from one branch to another and fly ahead on the trail and then wait for them to pass and then fly to the next branch and wait for them to pass. And the kids loved it, but he was kind of freaked out a little bit. He thought it you was know, sort of scary. So... He later that night, the same night, same day, says, okay, I'll come up and read you a story. Pick a story. And so they, they the kids pick um, a story called Say Boo. And it's about a ghost who can't say boo. He's unable to say boo. He's lost his voice. So he, so you can kind of see what's going on. Very simple little kid's book with pictures. It's Halloween. The ghost needs to scare people, but he, go, he goes up to the cow and he can't say boo. So he goes, moo. And then there's one point where he goes up to an owl and can't say boo and says, who? Who? And so he's reading the story aloud, and he reads the line. And the and the story, the, ben, the ghost's name was Ben, just like my friend's name is Ben. He reads the line, and then Ben looked up into a tall pine tree and saw an owl. Right then, the dog starts barking. And the dog's going crazy. He runs downstairs, he opens the door, and looks outside, and there's nothing. And he looks up, and right outside his door is a tall pine tree. So Ben looks up into the tall pine tree and sees an owl. He knew right away that it was the same line he had just read seconds earlier in the book. So in the process of of making this book, right, so I had to go back and forth and back. Ben was great. So he was like, no, no, the story wasn't quite right. you got to change this one line here. It was a little more like this. So we would work and work and work. His story is all of like five or six paragraphs. But he gets to a point. He says, you know what? These are the same stories. Me in the van. That's me finding my voice. I found my voice i told my kids of my real life experience and the story of the owl i mean the, the ghost named ben finding his voice he said these are the same stories and and it really struck him and it really had a power i i did not notice that he noticed it and and it really um it changed his in some ways, it changed his outlook on these things, that that back and forth process in, in, in examining these two stories side by side and how they somehow mirrored each other.
2: You know, my lovely bride, I call her the mighty Aphrodite. She's Greek. And when we go to Greece, we go to Athens, of course, and she's always finding um, owls, little uh, owls on t shirts and things, because the owl is the symbol of Athens, because that was Athena's companion. And the symbol of Athena is the owl. So a couple of weeks ago, She's in a um, a restaurant here, a business lunch, and she looks over and she sees this beautiful owl on a shopping bag. And it immediately caught her attention because we, she has this affinity for owls, as I do, and she's in her Greek descent and so forth. So she did something she wouldn't ordinarily do. She actually went over to this table of strangers and she wanted to know what store in town has an owl as its symbol. And it turns out, I don't know if you're familiar with the rapper Drake, but he is a, a resident of Toronto and he has a new, a new store. And that's the symbol for Drake is the owl. Now I suppose that's neither here nor there, but um, it is I suppose somewhat synchronicity, a synchronous, a synchronous rather that we are now talking about owls. And um, I just I just remembered that story. Uh, and well, the just,
0: owls there's a, owls are very common, so you have to be very careful. I get a little kind of sometimes I have to kind of I mean you can I can walk down the main street or down a, any city block, and by the time you walk through a whole city block, you're going to you're going to see a few owls. Right. There's like owls' lunch boxes, there's owl t-shirts, there's little owl bumper stickers. So you're going to you're going to they're they're out there.
2: So maybe we should spend a, a few minutes and we're coming up on a break, but we'll we'll start the conversation now and we can we can talk about it after and that is about myths about owls, uh, which cut across virtually all cultures and civilizations. I mean, we we all talk about owls being wise, but there's also a link between owls and the spirit world, correct?
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I cover that in depth in my book, and that's a good, goodly number of the stories I get are connected not with UFOs but with death. Um, so the owl, as great big eyes, see into the dark, right? So they can see into the darkness in a way that, that we, now we can, you know, using science and our knowledge of how, a, you know, night vision might work in an animal like that, you know, we can understand how it happens. That would have been a complete magical thing for for our ancient Ancestors. Yes. Uh, that an owl could not only see into the dark, but fly in the darkness, fly in complete darkness and complete silence. And that quickly turned into a metaphor for this is all across cultures that the owl can pass beyond our realm and into another realm. Flying into the darkness becomes a metaphor for crossing the boundaries, crossing the veil, whether they go to the land of the dead or the land of our ancestors, or the land of the gods, you know, or the land of the UFO occupants. They, if in, the myth, in, the, in, the, in the mythology, in, in that sense, they have that ability. Um, that then they have to return. And they return often with a message. And I cannot tell you how many, without any prompting, this is how the title of the book arrived, really, in a way, is that so many letters. They would just call. They would not refer to the owl. They would refer to oh, the other. owl showed up in my yard. And it was really interesting, and it came up at a certain time. And then the remainder of the letter, they would call it the messenger. And then the messenger sat in a branch, and, and it just was happening naturally. And, hmm. and that really struck me that this, these were not people. These were not you know people. They they weren't graduate students of mythology at at, the, at a at a Ivy League college. These were just people who happened to see an owl in their yard.
2: Right. Right. And there are, there are, of course, the owl. You see them um, on totem poles. It is a totem. What? It's a totem of what? I mean, we, we talked about it being a messenger, but it's a. I think you described it as a totem of the initiate. What does that mean exactly?
0: Well, I would almost say yeah, so. There's a couple ways to look at. It. Now, I'm very cautious. This is the this is the core question of the book, or both books. The core question is why owls, right? So, so I'm wrestling with that constantly. I don't have a great answer. I can dance around it and come up with the some ideas so if the owl one one thought is that the owl represents the the initiation process right so the fellow earlier I talked about Derek right he sees an owl on a cactus he sees a UFO later he has a spiritual awakening traces it all back to that UFO sighting which was also a UFO and owl sighting so that is that announcing initiation is that the role of the owl right I mean is that what's what's happening it, it, it's a very clean way to look at it. You know, it, it lines up. You know, the puzzle pieces click together nicely. Another way to look at it is that the owl is the totem of the transformational process. And I feel that, so, seeing a UFO can change people's lives. Right? Let me just, let me just, uh, immediately my- confronted with with something that everyone says is not real, can't happen, and your idea of reality is, forever altered.
2: More of my conversation with Michael Cleland when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. If you're a fan of this podcast, or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber, $20 $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange patreon.com forward slash
1: you're staring up at the night sky ever wonder who's staring back no me either but i guess you better say it because of richard you know he's all wrapped up in this stuff (laughs) conspiracy unlimited with richard sarat
2: michael cleland is here we're talking about owls and ufos what does reverse speech have to do with all of this?
0: There's a whole chapter in the book. I did a reverse speech session with uh, uh, Wayne Nicholson, who's a reverse speech, I guess, therapist. So the book ends with uh, you know with one of the a couple of the a couple of the accounts that that uh, that he shared. Like I did the chapter and I couldn't. There were some that I was like, oh my god, this has to end. The entire book. Where basically I said, you know. Uh, I slept in the desert. You know, there's a story in the, where I sleep in the desert, and I said this, you know, I slept in the desert, and, it, and I had an owl fighting, or heard an owl and a UFO, and it's a very complicated story. It takes, like, many pages at the end of the book. To, and I'm discussing that with Wayne Nicholson, and he plays it backwards, and I can't remember the exact line. I'd have to look it up in the book. But I say something to the effect of, it wasn't just one event. It was all these events. And then he played that backwards, and it, some of them are a little faint, right? You have to kind of listen Close, but this was very plain. It was my voice backwards saying, "Many owls." There you go, and that, that kind of, yeah, that was. That's called in a, my mind. That's yeah.
2: called a congruency. In other words, you're, yeah. you're confirming in your backwards speech what you said in your forward speech, which means that's authentic. You're being authentic.
0: And he, yes, th- so he said something which which surprised me, which I didn't. I didn't know that much about it, but he said he'd done these for years, and he said I had no whatever, I guess, incongruent. I'd have to look up exactly. I did write it in the book. He said I had no no negative or, or uh, contr- contrary uh, things show up in my reverse speech. They were all confirmational.
2: Right, right. Amazing. So I wanted to ask you about uh, Dolores Cannon, who, uh, of course, we know from her work in uh, regression therapy and so forth. Tell me about that. I mean, I know it involves a screen memory, but then there's something sort of more to this. story. Oh yeah, this
0: is a wonderful story, yes. So Dolores Cannon was at the point in her career where she was doing straight therapy and she started drifting into this more spiritual aspects, and she was getting people who were, who were, you know, she was doing hypnotherapy and quitting smoking and losing weight and just reducing stress, normal stuff. And she had a, a, she was finding people like this UFO stuff was coming up and she had to decide whether to follow it. And she met with some of her colleagues and... And, uh, you know, had the discussion that night, like, do I follow this? This is presenting itself, this UFO stuff. I don't know what to make of it. Do I follow it? Do I pull on these threads? That night, as she drives home, driving in the dark, she gets to her road in rural Arkansas, and she's driving along, and there's an owl on the road, and she pulls right up to it. Now, this is something I've heard often, and she describes it. She said she's in her truck, and the owl looked right over the top of the hood and stared at her. There's no owl in the world that can stand, even if you take a small car and a big owl. That's right. Still can't look at you no. over the hood. Um the owl flew down the highway. She drove up to it again. It stared at her. Owl flew down the highway. She drove up to her it stared at her, went all the way to her door. I right, like to her driveway until she turned off the highway and, and um, years later, she's in, she's giving a talk when she was doing, you know, she was, at this point, she's, giving talks all over the world about her, about her research. She's in London, and she goes to the a British Museum, and, and there's a big booth, with, which has all kinds of... of um, It's an owl display, so there's yeah. all kinds of owls of different sizes. and Taxidermy. And, uh, yeah, and, and she looks and says, these are all too small. I, I don't know what I saw, but it wasn't an owl. Now, the important part of this story to me is that this was the night she had to decide on whether she was going to follow the UFO trail, which she obviously did. So this is that thing this like that, the to- totem of initiation, right? You know, right. This, is, so, this is a perfect example, but this it's playing out not as a real owl. Cause there's, she was seeing something that's too big to be a real owl. What happened, what actually happened, I have, I cannot say. I can speculate and dance around it, but I but I truly don't know. Now here's, a, so here's another little odd thing. So I had that written, that story written up. There's a woman, she made a, did a wonderful movie about synchronicities. She's making a documentary. Now, this is the problem with trying to tell these stories, because you kind of got to, every thread you pull on, you know, you unravel a different part of the tapestry. She was shooting owls in a uh, shooting video, she was shooting video, of owl murals in the Mission District of San Francisco. So, um, she sets the camera down, as part of the doc, you know, she's the doc, and the camera, she didn't realize the camera was still going. As the camera's that down they 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 don't realize it until during the editing they catch this big seemingly metallic thing for just a few seconds as it passes across the frame and, and behind a tree very remarkable little little clip of footage um, so here's a woman making a documentary on, on UFOs excuse me on, on synchronicity photographing owls and captures a UFO mm. she contacts me we, I talked with her about this. I loved this story. She contacted me and she said, "Oh, you know who you need. You need to include the story from from uh, from Dolores Cannon." And she sends me this letter, and it, it arrives at my email in the morning. And it goes chunk to chunk to chunk. And I just watch it when I turn my computer on. It like repeats 19 times. <laughs> and I get back to her and I'm like, "Katie, what's up? Like you you sent me the same story about Dolores Cannon 19 times." And said, "No, I didn't. I just sent it once. That arrived." 19 times she was telling me to read Dolores Cannon she actually sent me a copy of Dolores Cannon's book as a pdf in in that where where that story uh, occurs right that was on October 18th 2014 the day Dolores Cannon died <laughs> i got there was some mix up where there was you know it was it was powerful right um... I mean, that that so many emails would mistakenly just line up, boom, 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 19 of them on my email inbox. That's right. All the same
2: one. Here they are beating you over the head again. Pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. Uh, Tell me about this fellow, uh, this account of uh, an owl basically just dropping out of the sky right in front of his car and landing on the pavement.
0: This story actually came from Jacques Valet. I, I was shameless when I was working on this book. I got a hold of everyone I could possibly think of and I said, do you have an owl story? And I got, I sent a paper letter to Jacques Valet. He doesn't have a, there's no email address or anything, so I sent him a paper letter. I said, do you have any, you know, he wrote a letter back and I said, yes, I do. And he explained very carefully this. Two people were in a car. They were driving at night. And they, they had to stop on the highway because an owl plopped straight down, landed on the highway in front of them, was kind of flopping around like it was disoriented. And then as they're parked there, looking at this owl, they look up and they have a close-up sighting of a hovering UFO, a hovering flying saucer. So it, it, this is the way Jacques Vallée cautiously speculated. He certainly didn't know, but he cautiously speculated that there must be something within the field of the UFO that, that, that disrupted this owl. And, and caused it to flop around. I mean, that's one of the questions they ask in any kind of UFO sighting report, is there were any animal disturbances, you know, dogs whining or, or cats acting nervous. So here's an owl plopping out of the sky. Now, this is interesting, because if you really, truly think of the, you know, all the animals in the animal kingdom, the owl has the single, probably the best hearing of all animals, especially, specifically all birds, has right. the best hearing. So. Is it capable of like being di- is its hearing so sensitive that the, the seeming silence or whatever of the UFO was was emanating some energy that, that disrupted its, its, its ability to fly? Interesting. I'm speculating myself I don't have the answer but, um, but you know that's very telling.
2: Especially the uh, the barn owl that has the, that flat face is almost like a parabolic receiver.
0: It's exactly what it is. And their ears are lined up very, very close to the edge of their... So, like, our ears are on the side of our head. Their ears are a little closer to the front of their face. So they can actually fly at night and they can, they can um, how would you say it, where they can, you can target, you can, they can look and they can target the sound. So they, Where they look, they know exactly where they're looking, where the sound is coming from. So they have, they can fly at night in the darkness, in flight, and hear a mouse on the ground.
2: Mm-hmm. They, they are remarkable. I mean, never mind the UFO aspect. Just being in the presence of an owl. Or, I, you know, there's there's YouTube channels dedicated to, to owls. Just being in the presence of an, of an owl is, is a pretty remarkable, uh, intense experience. <laughs> never mind the UFOs.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. And it's in owls. So both owls and UFOs are marked by their eerie silence. And everyone uh, recognizes that. You know, like <laughs> these people will see an owl in flight and they'll go, It was so quiet. It was shocking and that's the same thing you hear in a ufo report. so
2: it's it's like do you feel like you're getting close but then oh that's not it it's it, it's elusive isn't it this connection
0: <laughs> i've given up i've given up I'm, I'm at peace now with that emotion you're describing there so, it made me crazy for a few years and now i just had to like sort of like throw my hands up and say this will remain a mystery i will not solve this mystery but i can i mean I, there's something wonderful and seductive about a mystery so that's fine but I but I feel like I can I can try to paint a picture of or or create a mood with these stories because I think that's what they're meant to be almost is have that flavor and that mood
2: So we're not meant to find out the, the deeper
0: meaning here. Well we're certainly meant to struggle with it I feel I don't know if we'll ever find it out. Maybe someone you know who knows there's you do. It depends on which way the wind blows, right? You know, on a Monday, I have one idea. On a Tuesday, I have something else. And and I'm completely at the whim of whatever the next story that you know, that crosses my desk might be.
2: Were you ever at a point where you... Th- uh, and you can maybe share where you thought you had unraveled the mystery? But then you yeah. found out, no, that's <laughs> not it either. Not even... No.
0: no. No, not... I mean, I certainly the problem was, much of my, my initial was the mystery was... Well, there was certainly a point when I got to the, where, I, where I realized I had my own contact experiences, which I was denying like crazy. And that's, that's the last 40 pages of the, of the first book The messengers. Um, you know, me coming to terms with, with those experiences that, that uh, my, my confirmation experience where it became confirmed to me. So I, I, I feel like I'm directly involved somehow. Don't ask me why, why and what it means. But, but I feel certain I've had involvement with this, with, with the, you know, what we'd call abduction.
2: Well, what would, um, you know, if you were to go to um, a shaman, uh, and just, rem- you know, never mind the UFO aspect, just your encounters with owls, um, what would a, what would a shaman say?
0: Well, that's that's what I try to address in, this, in the books. I, I The way I say it is I have to take off my UFO investigator hat, push it aside, and put on my shaman hat, and ask the questions the shaman would ask. So, you know, what was going on in your life leading up to this experience? What has changed in your life after? Those are the simplest questions. And it's remarkable, you know, what, what I'll get. I mean, there's so many accounts of people seeing UFOs at a point of, like, existential crisis. Uh, and, and that shows, and there's also, you know, it's very, very common in UFO reports. People saying, you know what, I would like to see a UFO. And then, boom, they see a UFO. That's surprisingly common. And I also have many accounts, like, where people are, you know, like, hiking, and they'll be in the woods, and the sun will be setting, and they'll say, you know, they'll turn to the person next to them. Wouldn't it be cool to hear an owl hoot? Bam, within, before they finish the sentence, an owl hoots. So there's this confirmation like that, too. Oh, now, your original question, I'll get back to, oh. Um,
2: what would the uh, shaman say, if you would ask a shaman about
0: the... Uh, oh, what I would ask a shaman, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I mean, I would ask a shaman what it all means and i mean i mean i don't know how i've actually i actually have asked some shamans and and that is one of the questions this is the answer i got from uh, from um, um david weatherly who's an author and he's the author of the book the black-eyed children he is also a shaman he does not talk about this much he does he, he's public about it but it's but he's got kind of a two personas and one is the author of paranormal books and the other is doing shamanic work and I asked him, what is going on with all the owls? Which was at the point when I was going—I was losing my mind seeing some of the owls. I said, what is going on with all the owls? And he said, he said it to me privately. He said, it sounds like a shamanic initiation. Hmm. Had he had
2: owl experiences?
0: He had the best owl experience. <laughs> he is doing UFO research and paranormal research, and he's going to a house where there's the mom at the house is saying that she's been having a lot of UFO sightings and it's playing out like UFO contact. So he pulls up to the house in his truck. He's parked out front, and he's got his uh, portable uh, handheld recorder in his hand. He's putting fresh batteries in, because he's going to go interview this woman. And he's looking down at his, putting the batteries in, in the front seat of his truck, and then there's a gentle thud right in front of him. And he actually feels the car, like, dip down. Like, there's a weight on the car. And he looks up, and there's an owl that has landed on the hood of his car and is staring at him in the eyes. So, so this is a shaman at the house of someone who's having UFO contact, and they they have an owl land on their on their car and stared him in the <laughs> eyes upon arrival, announced initiation. So now another one. Here's another story. So I, so David is a friend of mine, David Weatherly. And he's a shaman. So like I wrote a lot about shaman in the very first like long essay that I wrote, which would have been back in 2013, I think. So I, I said I don't. I'm not a shaman. What do I know about this? So I, I sent it to him and said, Can you review this and just make sure I'm not talking out of my, <clears throat> excuse me, talking out of my hat? And he said, Sure. So gets back to me a couple days later. Says, You know, here a funny thing happened as I was reading your essay. I'm at my desk. I'm reading your essay, and this like flip flip. This thing flies past the window. And I look out the window, and, and on the tree branch right out my window is an owl. And I said, how long have you lived at that house? He said, 22 years. How many owls have you seen? Oh, I've never seen an owl. <laughs> so you are reading my essay. A shaman is reading my essay about owls and shamanism. This is what I asked him to read. And you see an owl out your window. Mm. I said, yep. Now, uh, unravel that. This is this is what I'm saying. Like It is not as simple as little aliens in a metal spaceship coming here from another galaxy in order to somehow (laughs) study us. Something more elusive and more playful is at hand.
2: Maybe we should do an experiment. Uh, Everyone listening tonight, I want you to uh, say to yourself, I want to see an owl tonight. Let's see what happens. If you see an owl, if you hear an owl, why don't you shoot me an email? Mike, I've enjoyed this thoroughly. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. It's been a delight.